everybody, this is Rob. Normally this would be where we'd put the cold open of the show, where we'd have our amusing little joke or outtake. But, uh, unfortunately, we don't have one of those because I haven't been able to record because I have been sick as a dog. You've probably seen Nurgle posting on the Facebook page. He's he's a cad. Anyway, just wanted to let you know that we'll be back in a week or two with our normal episode format with listener mail and hobby progress, news and new releases, all that good stuff. And we were going to frame it around Kevin's Las Vegas open coverage, but unfortunately we don't have any of that framing content, but we do have Kevin's coverage. And I want to thank him for putting it together in such a way that it does actually work as a normal episode, maybe a little bit shorter than we're used to, but longer than a lot of our main segments these days. So I think it'll work out for the best. Anyway, uh, I'm going to hand it over to Kevin now and his coverage of the Las Vegas Open 2019. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the only Warhammer 40k podcast that's recording from the LVO. Don't even try to look it up. We're the only ones that has this information. Uh, I am not the main host, Rob. I am Kevin. I was the only one of the four of us that was able to make it out to the Las Vegas Open this year, but it's been a blast. I'm going to kind of go through right now and do some of my experiences from day one and day two. We've got some other guests from later on that are going to help us with the competitive event um, and tell us more about how their tri- their time here at the LVO has gone. Uh, first off, we did have a bunch of new releases from the Warhammer crew during the uh, Warhammer preview event Thursday night. I was not able to attend the event, but um, I was able to get all the spoilers on the road and see everything afterwards. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about this on our next episode because Rob Dennis and Richard are going to have their own opinions. I wanted to quickly kind of touch on some of my highlights because uh, it's my show now. So I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. First off the new Blades of Corn for uh, Age of Sigmar looks amazing. I hope at some point this makes its way to 40k as a former Corn Demonkin player. Really, really want this army back. The new Skulltaker looks amazing, and the endless spells that are not called endless spells for Corn because they can't do uh, spells look amazing. And I'm going to buy a set just to do as objective markers. Uh, there is one that is a skull that is crying blood, and that's how it is like floating in the air. That's so cool, and I'm going to be using those as custom objective markers. There's some other Age of Sigmar stuff. They've announced uh, some other stuff for Warhammer Underworlds and uh, just some general in general some new stuff for Age of Sigmar. But the things that we want to talk about are the 40K stuff. Shadow Spear is the new box set, and it looks pretty amazing. It's going to be the second part of the Imperium Nihilus uh, thing, so I imagine it will be released in approximately 30 days because that's the uh, – 80-day countdown from Vigilus. Um, it is going to be a box set, just like Forge Bane, Tooth and Claw, Wake the Dead, and it is going to contain Chaos, specifically Black Legion, and Primaris Marines. And what's so amazing about this is it looks, all of the models are brand new. They're all going to be brand new sculpts. This is where the super awesome Chaos Sorcerer that we saw before is from. There is a cool, uh, they're calling these the Uh, Primaris Vanguard. So they look like they're much more like scout troops. So there's a librarian who's cloaked and has like a power sword and just looks awesome. It also looks like he has a migraine. 
but whatever. There's some really cool snipers. Uh, we've got Van, you know, uh, Primaris snipers that just look amazing. And then we also have some new Chaos Marine sculpts that are coming. And the, well, one of the biggies, for me, one of the biggies, plastic, new plastic obliterators that look amazing. Uh, they look like just hulking brutes that are just bristling with guns, uh, which is what obliterator should be. My hope as well that maybe this will also make a mutilator kit, or maybe they just do away with mutilators and pretend they don't exist anymore. I think everyone would be okay with that. And then we also have the Venom Crawler, which is the weird spider demony thing that people pointed out from the uh, Imperium Nihilus box uh, box art, and uh, it looks awesome. It looks really neat. Like uh, I'm not gonna lie, it looks like another. You know, it's another cool Chaos Demon engine. It'll be interesting to see how it fits in with the Mauler Fiends and. Uh, the other one, I can't think of it right now, but the one that shoots, uh, but also your soul grinders and uh, defilers, stuff like that. So it looks like it'll be a smaller version of that. The one they've shown looks like it's mostly melee, but they did mention that it's quote unquote bristling with guns. Uh, so we'll see. It looks like it'll be neat. Um, hopefully we'll have more information on it soon and more information about when uh, Shadow Spear is going to come out. Uh, we also have some updates for Sisters of Battle. We have a new uh, first preview of a new Sister of Battle and the announcement of a Sister of Battle bulletin, uh, which is pretty cool going forward. And then we also had the announcement of Warhammer Heroes, which is pretty cool. Carl Tuttle, Mike Brandt were some of the names that I recognized. I'm sure we'll talk a little more about this, uh, but congratulations to everybody that was picked for this. We, you know, we love what you're doing with the hobby. Congratulations. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and then... The last thing, the very last thing that they did in the announcement is they announced a new Primaris Lieutenant. Because when you're going to do a model release, you have to have a Primaris Lieutenant. This Primaris Lieutenant is the corpse at the base of the new Abaddon model. So we don't know if that's going to be in Shadow Sphere. I imagine not. But new Abaddon has been confirmed. New Oblitz. These are things that have been rumors for a little while. Uh, so I'm super excited about this. I almost wonder if Black Legion's going to get its own codex out of this, which is interesting because Black Legion's always kind of been the generic Legion. But as I've, everybody who's listened to the show long-term knows that I, up until 8th edition, I hated factions. I didn't like having Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Ultramarines, all these things having their own codexes. But the way the game is built now and the way keywords work, totally fine with sub-factions. I'd be fine with the Black Legion Codex. I think I'd be cool to have them have their own flavor and their own stuff. Really want a World Eaters Codex, though. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, that, that's the news and new releases from the Warhammer community, you know, and the, and the Warhammer uh, GW seminar. Uh, we'll talk more about it next week and we'll get everyone on. But I'm excited. New Chaos stuff always excites me. I was able to go to the media, uh, media panel, just like we did last year. I don't remember who all was on there. It was... Um, the guy from Spiky Bits, Kenny Boucher, Adam from Tabletop Minions, and a couple other people, uh, someone from FNP Gaming, and ah, I apologize. But it was a really good panel. Again, talked about how they got started, what they create, how they motivate themselves. Um, just a very interesting look at how other content creators make content and uh, a very cool thing. If you do come to LVO or you come to any of these other big events like Adepticon, Nova, where they have these seminars, highly, highly recommend that you attend those. Um, if you're even like remotely interested in starting your own podcast, it's very easy to get started. It's a hard thing to master. It's taken us eight years and we still, in my opinion, haven't mastered it. Um, but uh, 
it's 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 really good to kind of if you're interested in getting your foot in the door. Uh, we also have if anybody else has is interested in that, we also have an episode of the old show that we used to do or that I used to do under discussion that we'll link in the show notes, uh, which is a seminar about specifically that we did at Gen Con specifically about starting your own podcast and uh, going through and, and how to get started, how to start editing, how to start getting topics and things like that. If you're interested in uh, in that. All right. So that was day one. That was, that was Thursday night. Uh, Friday, the main event started and walking through valleys and walking in like when, when the event started was insane. The line was just huge. There were 670 some players, I think registered for the main event here at, at uh, LVO. Just insane. Uh, the whole main room that they had last year that was split between age of Sigmar, the 40 K friendly and the 40 K championships is just the 40k championships. It is completely packed. Um, and it was great to see everybody. There's a bunch of people that I haven't seen since, well, since Renegade Open or since Midwest Conquest or, you know, people from Phoenix that I, haven't, that I see a little more often, but it was great to see everyone. Um, you know, I tried to say swing by and say hi to everyone. Uh, the event seemed to be going smooth, but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get, uh, hopefully get some of our other guests on to talk about, um, to talk about the, the specifics of those events. I, since I had Friday free, I took a couple of uh, painting classes. I bought an airbrush about two years ago. Uh, I have a Badger Patriot uh, 105 and I've never felt comfortable how to use it. Um, I've talked with people like we have Alex on uh, who's helped me kind of get started, get ideas going with it, Rob airbrushes. Um, but I've always had difficulty getting started with that. I took, there were two classes. It was a, uh, CK Studios, which they do, their big thing is they do like a big weekender boot camp, kind of is what they call it, where basically it's eight hours over, you know, Saturday and Sunday of just learning everything you can about the, about the airbrush. So you bring your own supplies and like they tell you how to clean it. They tell you how to use shading, how to do, you know, highlights and, and all these different things. And it's just super in depth, super hands on. There may be one coming to Phoenix in the next few months. If there is, I will be attending it if possible because it's expensive. It's several hundred dollars, I think, to take the class. But it just if it's as good as the seminars that I took yesterday, it's totally worth it. So the two seminars that I took were airbrushing 101 and then airbrushing finishing. Uh, 101 was just kind of the airbrushing 101 class was just more of like terminology of like what PSI means how the how the brush itself works and how you know siphon fed gravity you know gravity feed double action single action uh, what brands are you know good although it wasn't really like oh buy this specific brand it was if you want to get started something like the badger 105 is really is a really good starter because it has these things whereas this brush is a little higher quality and will do this like you know tips about how to um how to handle the needle and how to clean the brush how to hold it correctly, because that turns out was something I was doing wrong. Um, I've been using my bear brush off and on for two years, and I apparently didn't know how to hold it correctly. So just stuff like that, which is really good to kind of reaffirm that how I should be using it and what I should be doing, what pressure I should be shooting at, how to, you know, how much color you should put in there, how much paint and stuff like that, how to highlight, just super great, super helpful, super hands-on. Uh, the next class we took was, was a finishing class with airbrushing, and it's kind of, kind of two, you know, 102 or whatever, but it was went into a little more depth of some other stuff. That one was a little more of a lecture, but it showed a lot of like the zenithal highlighting and 
using different colors and, and uh, mediums to, to do color effects and shading and super, super helpful stuff. Cannot say enough about Caleb. It was, it was a great class. It was very informative. There was another one that they did after that that was a large base, a large figure um, ser- uh, seminar where he went through and you painted up, I think, an armature knight. I wasn't able to do that one, though, because I had a couple other things I, was, I wanted to do, but I would have absolutely taken it if I had had the time. But super cool, super fun. There was also paint and take areas. There was an area with the um, uh, Caleb who ran this the seminar I went to, and then Kat, who's the other person from CK Studios, was doing like an acrylic tutorial and some hands-on painting with that. There were some other people, Warhammer Community, so Peachy was here doing some painting tutorials and... Uh, you know, just a lot of stuff, paint and takes, things like that. Forge World was also here, which I have to have to admit my Forge World addiction when I can. Uh, so I spent more money than I should have uh, buying uh, the new Custodes uh, Jump Infantry, which look absolutely amazing. I bought the the, the older uh, Custodes Shield Captain, um, not the big character one, but just the, the regular shield captain with the guardian spear. I bought that as well. Cause I want another shield captain. And then I picked up the uh, trader librarian in Terminator armor with like the cool demon uh, coming out of his hand because I already have that model, but I really like that model and I want another one. So, um, and that was one that I specifically came out. Uh, I picked up after the painting class because looking at the model, I'm like, Oh my God, there's so many cool things you can do with this and paint it in certain ways. So very cool stuff. Again, way more money at Forge than I should have. Um, I also picked up something from Hammerhead Games. Uh, it is a plastic 40K game tracker, and it is so helpful. It has little dials for command points for your, yourself and your opponent. There's a dial that shows the turn counter from one to seven, so you can track where you're at in the, count, in the turn counter. Uh, that one was like $15. There's a $25 one that has some extra dials on it, and those extra dials are to track points as well and, you know, victory points and objectives and stuff like that. So just adds in these other dials, super helpful, super fun, you know, super useful. Uh, and they also sold, they had uh, display trays, movement trays, um, terrain, MDF stuff, you know, Warlord Games was here and they were selling all their bolt action stuff. Uh, Arena Rex was here selling their stuff. The Warhammer Conquest, Nah, that's not the Warhammer Conquest game. Whatever the current Warhammer card game is, and I forget what it is, uh, they were here selling stuff. So it was very cool. Like the 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 area for vendors was neat uh, and had a good variety. There was also another one, and I don't have the card right now that sold um, clips for the bases uh, for the models. Yeah, and I don't have the card, but they sold these little like squad clips that the models that cl- uh, clip to the base of the model, and then you could just paint like the colors on your squad base so you can mark your squads. Also the bases are magnetic. So you can then put those in a magnetic display case and travel with them and, and have them displayed. I will get the card out of my, wherever I kept it. Cause I don't know where I put it. I will get the card out and I will give them a name and we'll put their link in the show notes as well. So that was my Friday. Um, oh, actually one other thing on Friday or two other things on Friday we did. I was able to do another seminar uh, Friday night with Adam from tabletop minions and it was more of a Q&A about like the technicalities of pod- not podcasting, but uh, YouTubing and uh, recording video, video editing, things like that. So 
that's something we've always talked a little bit about on preferred enemies, like internally about like, we'd love to do video stuff as well. We don't really know what format that might take, but uh, that's always something that's kind of been in the back of our minds to work on. So uh, it was interesting to do that uh, seminar and get some additional insight. I wouldn't expect there to be any preferred enemies video content immediately, but maybe down the line, especially after Midwest conquest, I would definitely think that uh, that will have uh, more video content uh, coming out. And then the last thing was the night joust. We had 70 people, I think, show up for the night joust. It was an insane number. But yeah, like just all sorts of things. There were obviously a whole bunch of knights. Um, I brought my chitin. I was not able to allow They did not allow me to bring my uh, Lord of Skulls. So I was not able to uh, have the Lord of Skulls defend his uh, two-time defending Renegade Open Championship. But I brought the chitin, which was fun. And uh, there were a whole bunch of knights. There were some Eldar uh, Wraith Knights. A couple of guys brought Storm Surges. There was a couple of Morkonauts. Uh, so it was interesting. It was a good variety. Uh, and when you get that many people showing up for an event, there's, there was a good variety. One thing they did that was interesting is they divided us in, up into tables of four. And basically each night started in one of the corners. And it was a free-for-all. And whoever was the last night standing advanced to the next table. So it was a good way of doing it. It You, know, it, you don't quite have the spectacle of the... 16 versus 16 side night joust that we had at Midwest Conquest. But on the flip side, it also didn't go for three hours. So it was very fun. Uh, the first game, the chitin, <laughs> so funny. I was kind of excited because I got on the side of a Morkonaut and I'm like, oh, I could take a Morkonaut out. This is good. Psh. The Morkonaut hit me with one of his cannons uh, and did 11 wounds the first shot of the game. Kitan only has 22, so it's a little lower than uh, other knights and definitely lower than the Lord of Skulls, but took half of my wounds off in one go and then took the other half on in Overwatch when I went to assault him. So the Kitan did nothing and was the second knight out of that joust because uh, on the other side, there was a renegade knight with dual uh, thermal cannons that just completely destroyed a, uh, a knight with... Uh, I think an Avenger uh, with the the one with the Gatling cannon, so the Knight Warden, and then in round two, because if you lost, you still got to play another round, you know, just kind of until you wanted to stay. I got another table with a Storm Surge and two Renegade Knights, so and two Renegade Knights running dual Avenger Gatling cannons. So it's like, okay, I'm good here. I'm the only one with the melee weapon. I move faster than them. I shoot better than them. I hit better than them. I got this. It turns out if you roll really hot with the Avenger Gatling Cannon, you will shred a chitin. Uh, so again, I was first one out in that game. The Storm Surge ended up winning because the Storm Surge was using the um, the Pulse... Oh, I forget which one it is. It was the short-range Pulse Cannon, like the Pulse Accelerator, I think, or maybe the one of the two. It's the one that's only 30-inch range, but as you get closer to it, it becomes more strength. And what he basically did is he parked in a corner, anchored, and let the other two knights run at him. And as they got closer, just was shearing off wounds. I think he finished with like two wounds left, but he survived. So that was a fun event. Yeah, like I said, it was just a, it was a great, great, fun, chaotic event. So that was Friday. That was my that was my Friday. Today was Saturday, which is the first day of the LVO 40K Friendly. And we had uh, 68 players sh- sign up for the Friendly this year. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I'm blown away by how many people came back for the uh, for the event, but how many new people were here too. 
Um, I posted a bunch of pictures on Twitter and on the Preferred Enemies Facebook page. So at Preferred Enemy on Twitter and Preferred Enemies on Facebook. I posted just a bunch of pictures of the armies. They're all gorgeous. They all were really cool. Um, all well painted, all well done. Just very cool. The the people who who came to the event definitely knew what they were doing and, and all brought their A game. I brought my army was... Um, <laughs> so the theme for my army is that I, I brought a corn army, World Eaters. So it was Karn, a Chaos Lord with the Axe of Blind Fury. So they both uh, Hulk out, hit everything on twos, and uh, kill Berserkers on ones, or kill other kill close units on ones. So Karn, Chaos Lord, two units of 20 Berserkers, a unit of 10 Berserkers, a unit of 10 Chosen, 40 Chaos Cultists with close combat weapon and pistols. Uh, the Chosen all have... Uh, half of them had plasma pistols and power axes. The other half had power axes, bolt pistols. And then uh, my Spartan, which I had ran a couple times before, but I haven't ran it in a long time. So I wanted to wanted to run it again. And uh, that came out, out at 100 PL and 1996 points. So it was, uh, it's a fun list. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's not good. I lost both my games as a spoiler for what I'm about to talk about. But uh, uh it, it it was fun to paint and it was fun to build because I kit bashed a lot of the chosen from Age of Sigmar models, uh, the Blood Reavers and uh, some Skull Takers and stuff that I had models of. So I kit bashed them and took the axes and put you know power armor plates on them. Uh, I used warp talons. I'll, I'll get pictures up on a lot of these. Um, I also uh, ran <laughs> into a little bit of a problem basing. Uh, I was basing my models until Wednesday before the event. So I was trying to figure out a quick, easy basing scheme that would work and fit my thematic army, uh, which the theme is blood for the blood God because I'm corn and yeah, I'm lazy. I even had a little piece of paper that had my theme printed out, which was blood for the blood God on one side. And I eh, flip it over. There's more. And you flip it over to skulls for the skull throne because, you know, I'm lazy and it's funny. I decided that I wanted to use the GW skulls. I had a box of those uh, plastic GW skulls. So like Monday, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put skulls in the base because the, the, the bases that I was doing weren't quite working. So I'm just going to cover them in skulls. It'll be fine. I ended up going through four boxes of the skulls because it's a lot of, it's a lot of skulls to put on a hundred and a hundred and ten models. So I will have to think about that next time, more about that or, you know, paint my army further in advance than the week of the event. But uh, my first opponent was Patrick Laurie. Uh, he had a Necron army that was, um, oh, I forget the dynasty, but he had Orc and the Diviner. So it's whatever dynasty he belonged to. It was Orc and the Diviner, uh, chaos, uh, chaos overlord, a Necron overlord, uh, with the war scythe, two units of 20 warriors, a unit of 10 warriors, a spider, a unit of scarabs, uh, and the, uh, it's not the ghost arc, it's the ghost arc with the cannon underneath it, the one, the, the shooty one, I forget what it's called. And then a Gauss pylon, uh, just, just thrown in at the end. I'm like, uh, okay. So not a list that I was like, okay, this is good. It, it's got a lot of shooty, but I can get into it and I can hopefully roll these up. The Gauss pylon killed the Spartan with the first shots. It didn't hit it multiple times. The first gun it fired hit and destroyed it because it's a macro weapon weapon. So it does double wounds against Titanics, which is what the Spartan is. So it hit for 18 wounds, which are doubled 
to 36, uh, the Spartan only has 20. So I lost the Spartan, didn't kill anybody inside it, but lost the Spartan turn one and everybody had to foot slog and foot slogging into 50 more uh, warriors is not a good time for anybody. Um, I did kill a couple units, but he killed everything down to one or two berserkers left. I never touched the pylon. I never touched the, uh, the cannon arc. Never. I, I did wipe the scarabs and a couple other things, but Oricon and the overlord were completely fine the whole game. So I lost that game eight to four because we're playing the uh, book missions and doing book scoring off Maelstrom. I also made a very, very bad mistake for whatever reason. And I don't know why I thought this. I thought Tide of Traitors only works if the unit of cultists is dead and it only works if they're on the table. So he hit a unit of cultists and in, in, in close combat, got his Lich Guard. That was the other thing. He had a unit of Lich Guard. Got his Lich Guard into my cultists and killed them enough that they were going to fail morale. Like there's no way I could have passed the morale test. And I had the option of spending the command points to have them auto pass the morale, stay locked in, or basically use the, lose the unit. And for whatever reason, I let it go and said, nope, that's fine. Wipe the unit, all tied of traders them back in, which you can't do because they have to be on the table. Uh, so doing that cost me several victory points at least. Um, and a 40 man unit of cultists. So, and then that, that warrior unit they were tied into, uh, killed a unit of berserkers in their next shooting attack. So I, I messed that up very, very much. Uh, but it was a fun game. It was a blast. As always, every friendly game I've played has been amazing. Round two, I went on and I played Gary Bowen, B O H O N. And he had an absolutely amazing orc army. His, his, his theme was old school and every single model in his army was second edition or, you know, early third edition, or it was stuff from, you know, Gorkonaut, uh, from Gorkonaut, Gorkamorka or, uh, or stuff like that. Like it was all old, old orc boys, orc boys converted for weird boys. Like, it was great. Like the Gretchen were these old, old second edition Gretchen models and beautifully painted. Very cool theme. He was running Gazgul and he, he ran a couple different detachments. I think he had a, he had a, uh, a, a brigade and a patrol, I think. Cause he had Gazgul and a weird boy. And then he had two more weird boys in another detachment. Uh, everybody was goth. It was two, no, three full units of 30 boys Two full units of thirty of twenty Gretchen, and I think that oh, and a unit of Storm Boys and a unit of Knobs on Bikes, and the entire game went back and forth. The game was basically who got the charge, because if his unit of thirty boys charged into a unit of twenty Berserkers, they wiped the Berserkers. If twenty Berserkers charge into a unit of thirty Orc Boys, they wiped the Orc Boys. So it was very interesting, and it was super fun to roll buckets of dice but it was it was very fun back and forth um i ended up i ended up conceding at the end of four uh the only thing i had left on the table was the spartan all of my infantry had died uh karn the chaos lord the chosen everybody and he still had 60 boys and i think all of his weird boys and it essentially would have been if we'd kept playing it out two or three more rounds of orc boys dumping a hundred plus attacks into the Spartan at tough eight and 
with a two up armor save. So it would have been both of us just rolling buckets and buckets of dice for probably very little to happen. Cause he would have had to have tuned through 18 wounds was left. What was left on the Spartan. But at the same time we were playing the uh, contact loss mission. So you don't generate additional objectives unless you are holding, uh, holding points, which meant that I was never going to generate another tactical objective. So I wasn't going to win. Uh, he was ahead on, on victory points four to three. So we just ended it there. So he won that game four to three. Again, super fun, very you know close game. Despite the fact that I basically did get tabled, but it was very exciting. It was a very fun game. Very good opponent. The games have been super chill. Uh, we're actually doing these in the Skyview Lounge on the twenty sixth floor of Valleys. Of Valleys. So it's looking out over the Strip and looking out into the mountains, uh, especially in the evening. It's super cool. Like you can just see the lights and stuff. We're also we're also right next to the thirty k event. Uh, so it was super cool to see the people that were playing 30K and, and you know, seeing not just my own Spartan, but 30K Spartans and, and other vehicles and stuff. So uh, very fun day. Very, very fun day. So that's all I have for day day two, you know, Saturday of the LVO. I've got two more games uh, tomorrow um, for the friendly. Looking forward to both of them. And then we're going to try to get a couple other guests, like I said, try to get a couple other guests on later to, to talk about the uh, 40K championships themselves. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Um, there will not be any uh, listener questions in this episode. I should have mentioned that way earlier, but uh, we're going to skip those for now. Try to keep this episode uh, slightly shorter. And then uh, we'll take your listener questions on the next episode. But uh, we'll stop here for sponsor identification and then we'll come back and talk about the 40k championships next miniatures we build them we paint them we love them that's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely and that's where care multicase comes in they offer a complete model storage and transport system they offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures as well as custom cut trays for specific models KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40k... X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat. 
giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and we have Jason Horn uh, with us today, and he's uh, he helped judge the main event at LVO and some of the Sunday RTTs. That's so. true. Yep, that's exactly correct. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to be part of the LVO and ITC judging staff for 2019 and uh, or 2018, and it was an amazing experience, one that I never thought would be possible, but. Uh, it was awesome. I learned a lot. I learned what not to do. And uh, I got to hand out some yellow cards. So, hey, it was all good. Awesome. So how was overall, how was the experience on the floor for the main event? Uh, it was it was very long and tiring. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, there was, uh, what, 700 people for the final, for the main event? Yeah, I think we had we had 803 registered, yeah. obviously through attrition and drops. We eventually, I think we got to maybe 7, yeah, 730 or so. That is nuts. Yeah. If you think about it, that's like for me personally, since I run the Iron Halo, it's like three iron, or it's it's like eight Iron Halos all in one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, the really interesting thing, so is I came in Friday night, and since uh, you know I'm judging, I can't my uh, my TO hat. I felt like my TO hat came on, and I'm like, oh okay, so you know I'm judging a TO, so I'll just help help set up. <laughs> and literally, you know, you walk in the hall, that main hall, and it's ginormous, and you have to set up all the tables for. You know, uh, I think we set up uh, tables for about 350 folks and the just the logistics of setting out all the terrain, organizing all the terrain, because not only if you look at the any of the frontline gaming pictures, there were terrain set up like a snow mat with snow terrain, mm-hmm. uh, industrial mat with uh, industrial terrain, asphalt mat with asphalt terrain. I mean, it was just really well organized. Very impressive and uh, something that we should all aspire to to, yes. to get to. Yeah. <laughs> the train was the train was excellent, even for the friendly. Um, they had you know, the little buckets that just put in under each uh, under each table, clearly labeled like what table it was, what mat it goes with. Uh, it even had listed on a couple of them that I was reading. It's like GW ruin set minus like one building or something. So they knew exactly what was in there, and just everyone went into a bucket and every table uh, they had. On uh, when they were doing the award ceremony, they had the ta- the buckets lined up along the back wall, and it was you know three or four deep, and I was like, "Holy smokes!" <laughs> yeah, and that was just for the friendly, which had yeah. what a hundred people. Uh, it was seventy eight people played in it. There was a few drops day too, but I gotcha. Yeah, I mean that's 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 still pretty impressive. Yeah, I, mean, I remember. I know there were seventy eight people because I finished seventy second, seventy uh, sixth in it. Hey, yeah. you know what? At the wooden spoon, if, or excuse me, at the iron halo, if you're looking for the wooden spoon, we can totally give it to you. I'm going to let Dennis keep that one. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis, we love you, man. That was a, I can't believe you got knighted by our former Uh, champion. You're going to have to knight the next person, you know? (laughs) Anyway, uh, so the setup was amazing. Uh, I stayed, I stayed up till probably uh, midnight because after the setup, we had a judges meeting and that was hilarious. So I can't talk about what was in there, but, uh, what I can say is that, uh, uh, I really believe. I know some of the listeners probably don't think ITC is the way to go, but I really firmly believe uh, that uh, Frontline Gaming and Reese and the LBO judges definitely have the willingness and the the compassion and mm-hmm. the dedication to make competitive 40k, you know, up to the next level. And you and I think from all of the results of the 20, 2019 LBO, you guys can see that. Absolutely. So, uh, it was just it was just a fun time hanging out, you know, shooting the breeze, and and making making plans for 
for for the LVO. And so anyway, we go into day one judging. I mean, it was like literally, if you think about it, it was just basically judging an RTT on a massive scale. Yeah. <laughs> and I've done plenty of those. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions of like, you know, how do I charge? You know, what counts as a ruin? And uh, LVO made it very clear on how how mm-hmm. what, how things count as ruins. They had documentation uh, on yeah, that. Yeah, that was all put up on the website ahead exactly. of time, which is great. Funny story. Some people didn't look at it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, shocked. shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a uh, – it is what it is. But um, I think – uh, so, so some of the questions like that were pretty good. Some of the, um, y- you know, we, <laughs> so funny round one, we found some guys, a guy with, uh, just black rates, oh, literally man. black rates. Like, <laughs> and I'm, it's funny. Like the judges chat was like table. So it's, so uh, you should take a look at the race. And I'm like, Oh, so I come by and I'm like, they're just black. The head judge comes oh. by and it's like, "Hey, I looked at him. There's like three uh, three green dots and mm. and maybe a wash." And, I'm, and all the other judges were like, Wah. "Yeah," because they're pretty explicit this year about yeah. the painting requirements and stuff. So that's yeah, uh. yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I and it's actually really good. I think it's really good that we have. I think so painting, too. Painting yeah. requirements, uh, you know, base models. Obviously, you know, we didn't kick him out. We actually let him play. I think we let him play through his round one mm-hmm. and then we said hey we need to get some more paint on them so I, I mean there was like vendors with paint everywhere yeah oh yeah so mm-hmm. we he, he got he got all the paint in there and he's good to go and so round two uh, you know just walk in the hall mm-hmm. and everything how many judges were there for this year because i mean with 700 800 people like i think there were uh, i think there were six judges and then we yeah. added a, a seventh on sa- saturday okay yeah saturday okay. and sunday that was good. So it wasn't like you you were you're still having to cover a lot, but it wasn't like you were having to cover you know, hundreds of people, right? And yeah. most of the people they just you know worked it out, which is really yeah. nice. You know, you got some of the competitive people where it was like complex questions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't know the answer, just ask another judge, and they, they you know for a second opinion. Yeah. So that was that was that was all good, and I I really uh, the the team was really all helpful and really awesome to work with. Yeah. And I got to work with Chris Morgan, who is on the Fortune Era podcast, and. We got we got to nerd about Sanguinius and, <laughs> and he's like if if you watch the LVO uh, award ceremony Reese and Reese uh, introduced him as the chief Blood Angels librarian yes because yeah. he is he literally knows everything <laughs> about Sanguinius um, so a quick aside uh, that Saturday night or Friday night we went to dinner at Bazaar Beach which was really expensive but very good recommended. <laughs> You're going to spend at least $150 a person, but it's worth it. Anyway, so all the judges went out. They went out with the spouses and everything. And um, uh, Chris and I got to talking about Sanguinius and his, his wife chipped in. And he said, when Chris real uh, Chris came home and found out that Sanguinius was, was coming out, he was actually like, that, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was probably. I mean, I mean, just hang out with the judges. You know, I'm on personal. That's level. awesome. <laughs> it, it's just really fun. And so, anyway, yeah. Day one judging. Sorry, get back to my judging stories. <laughs> so, day one judging, we. Uh, uh, I actually got the opportunity to. I saw Scary of Scary Cast mm-hmm. and uh, Alex Harrison playing. 
Oh, nice. And I saw it. It was getting a little heated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those two have a history together. And, uh, of course, Alex Harrison has a history. <clears throat> so I just kind of made my way, you know, just washed them for a few minutes and then went, went off. Anyway, uh, I think Scary was getting some water at one point, And Alex Harrison was moving his, his models, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the moving phase, which yeah. is fine. And so I kind of stood behind Alex, you know, at a distance. Yeah. But definitely watching to see what was happening. And uh, the funny thing is, he maybe about five or six minutes after moving things, he he turned his head and looked over and he saw me. He's like, "Oh, hey, I didn't see you there." <laughs> and I said, "I know that was the point." <laughs> and so <laughs> that's hilarious. It's funny. So I was just, you know, uh, I decided I'd just stay the rest of the game there. It was like turn two, and and uh, it, it definitely got heated there for a second. Uh, he, what I saw was he was using like his, he was rolling his dice really quickly. And unfortunately for him, he likes to use mixed dice, mixed mm-hmm. sizes and mixed colors. Yep. And, um, it is just really hard to tell what's what, cause all the dice are scattered all over the place. Yep. And so, uh, it, it, it was kind of, it was kind of challenging to see. And what I, what I, what I learned from that is, is, when a player is, is doing something like that, you're going to have to make them slow down. Yep. Because it's not fair to the opponent. And that's, and it's hard too, because I, you know, I've, I play Tau, I played corn berserkers and like that. I go in and I'm rolling buckets of dice sure. and I've got a mixed unit and it's like, okay, I could roll all of these chain swords first right. and then reroll them. Or let me just pick everything up and roll it at once. So we can right. speed up the game. So you got to strike that balance of, Getting you know playing fast, but also giving your opponent enough time to understand what's going on. Exactly, and unfortunately, Scary was getting lost, and mm-hmm. I was getting lost. <laughs> and if two people are getting lost trying to follow yep. someone, then that's a problem. Oh, absolutely. And so, uh, in addition, he was also at, at some points of time he would pick up hits, mm. and some points of time he would pick up misses, and he he wouldn't tell you what he was doing, and he would just pick stuff up. Yeah, and so. You know, it was one of the more interesting games. Uh, we definitely, uh, the LBO judges gave him a warning in, in regards to fast dice, mm-hmm. in regards to, um, uh, and also like just playing playing uh, out of the ordinary. So, yeah. uh, at one point in time, for example, one point in time, he was shooting his flyers, and he had six flyers in his list, and like I lost track of the flyers. Scary lost track of what flyers were shooting. And and it was like, it was just a mess. Yeah. And so we also, in addition to saying, hey, you can't roll your dice fast, you'll have to mark every single flyer, actually every single unit that you shoot, shoot. because it makes it fair to the opponent. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, funny story is, Dave, if you're listening, uh, I gave him your Renegade Open Dice. Nice. So Alex Harrison will forever be playing with Renegade Open Dice. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) That's good branding. (laughs) I know. Would try to give him some preferred enemy dice, but I don't think anybody wants them. They're bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're bad. They roll, but they roll poorly for me at least. <laughs> no, we could just give him the Alex Harrison. How he is. Anyway, <laughs> so you know that game was you know yes it was intense, but there was it was some pretty funny moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I had my water bottle on the table. He was not at the corner of the table. Anyway, he he just needed to move it to just get it out of the way. No models in plain sight. No <laughs> models. But as soon as he touched it, I was like, nah. Uh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> and he, uh, 
And he was like, oh, can I, can I do that? And I said, no, I'm just kidding. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, so that was, that was the kind of the extent of, uh, day one. And, uh, I mean, it was a great day, you know, tons of questions. Day two is kind of where, where we felt like, you know, the tryhards are going to be coming out harder, you know, people mm-hmm. that are in striking distance for faction awards, you know, ITC faction awards, LVO faction awards are going to be, you know, definitely coming to fruition. And so, and that was the case, you know, I got some really good questions. Uh, For example, the Mont Caw. Yeah. Uh, We, we talked to some of the rules lawyers, rules guys uh, at GW, and they actually said, um, you have the option to move. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I've always interpreted as you don't. Yes, you can't. Yeah, you have the option to move. Huh? So anyway, that is official. It's not officially FAQ because you're hearing it from me, but uh, somebody in official capacity. Yes, yes. So we had like questions like that. Um, We had some interesting uh, charge questions. Uh, Of course, you know, wobbly model. Yeah, the charge phase needs to be cleaned up a little bit. (laughs) Still. Yep. Yep. Uh, it was quite, quite peculiar. Uh, I think one of the, uh, where, where I almost handed out another yellow card, uh, we had a individual that was arguing about deployment zones for the, uh, box deployments, you know, the corners. Yeah. And we said, no, you have to go in, in those the, the two corners, the two yeah. corners man. You and can't, like, you can't rotate it and use the other two. No, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And he's like, no, I can do that. I can do that, man. Any other judge and any other attorney can do that. And I was like, yeah, but you're at this event and I'm the judge of this event. So I know. No. <laughs> I know. He's, and, he, and so another judge, Mitch Pelham came. He's of the, uh, I know it's, it's a podcast, Mitch. I'm so sorry, dude. You're such a great guy. So anyway, Mitch came by because he was another judge for, for that weekend. And, uh, he, uh, <laughs> the guy asked him the same question. And Mitch said, no, you have to deploy in those corners. <laughs> and, and the guy just went bananas, man. He was like, I cannot believe this. And it's like, I want a ju- I want a ruling from the head judge, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, if you get a ruling from the head. And then he immediately cut me off and he said, I don't care if you give me a yellow card or a red card, kick me out. I want a ruling from the head judge. I'm like, best in faction podcast, by the way. There we go. So best in faction. Uh, so the guy was like super angry, wanted a ruling for the head judge. And so I was like, all right, all right, John, I need some help. And so John's like, what's going on? And I explained the situation. John comes up and he literally has his red and yellow card in his hands. <laughs> and I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> so uh, you've mentioned a couple of times, this is the first year with the yellow red card uh-huh. system. Uh-huh. How, how does that work uh-huh. just for people who don't, aren't familiar with it? And how did that help? The, the games this year, do you think? Uh, the it helped quite a bit. So basically, we t- we stole the soccer style system. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfo- it was two yellows and then a red instead okay. of just yellow and red. And uh, there's an ITC code of conduct mm-hmm. which anybody can look at, and it's a really in depth document that goes over stipulations of making uh, of how a player can receive a yellow and a red card. Okay, and it gives all the power to the judges. Good. You know, there was one particular situation where a player came up to me at the end of round six and said, hey, my opponent had a wave serpent in combat, back, fell back, moved it, and then charged another unit. I didn't find it out till my movement phase. And my opponent said, well, it's too late now. You should have caught it. Mm. And I was like, and this was his round four guy. Mm. And he, he unfortunately, he told me at the end of round yeah, six. Yeah, so there's nothing I can do. At that point. 
I mean, I, I was like, that you should have called the judge. Yeah, like absolutely. immediately. And at that point, we would definitely hand it out. I think I would hand out two yellow cards for deliberately breaking the rules and then unsportsmanlike conduct by saying that. So when you get a red card, does that mean you're you're gone, just gone? You're just gone from the event, and yeah. then do those carry over to other events? So that is up to the event. Okay. So I mean, uh, for frontline gaming events, mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Okay. Um, but it wouldn't red- necessarily preclude you from going to other ITC Correct. events or something. Okay. Now you you definitely would get a. Uh, it would be definitely a public record. I think. Yes. I don't. I'm not 100 sure if there's a public record. But I, I know that that was one of the things that's been discussed about TOs, like keeping track of like yellows and reds from other right. events. So I, I wasn't, but I wasn't sure if it was kind of formalized. Or it's it's kind of interesting, like because mm-hmm. you know if you keep a public record, it could be considered slander, and then like it's it's just it yeah. gets kind of fishy, really no, fast, yeah. slippery, slippery slope. But if you ask me, I could always check. Okay. I mean, I think we did. We just had we we did hand out one red card and a whole bunch of yellows, depending on the. Uh, you know, situation, but, uh, you know, uh, other than that, the players acted for the most part, pretty awesome. Good. good. Um, what we found is after people got yellow cards, they calmed down. Right. And which is exactly what the intent is. So it's Mm -hmm. using it kind of as a deterrent and hopefully going forward, just that being out there, uh, will prevent some of the shenanigans to begin with. So people know that it's a threat. So they're not going to, not going to act up in the first place. Exactly. And, and from a uh, TO perspective, do not be afraid to discipline. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, I think that is the number one thing I took away from this event is that even though, even if they're the friend, your friends, if they're doing something bananas, like just unsportsmanlike or just not a very good, you know, just, just in general, yeah, don't be afraid to do that because even though you're, they're your friends, they're still making those mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. No, like it, um, like Midwest conquest, when we do our, our judging, if it's someone that like I know and I'm friends with, I will usually call someone else over as well to like get a second opinion. Just be like, here's what I think, but make sure I'm not being colored because we're all human and you know, exactly. we have opinions on things. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I agree. I agree. So, uh, I judged the Sunday RTT and that was a fun experience. Uh, if you want to experience um, an hour and a half of herding cats and drowning at the same time, <laughs> help run the Sunday RTT up until ten o'clock. Because I saw, yeah. So on on Sunday, the, the friendly started at ten o'clock as well. Uh-huh. Um, but the guys here uh, that I was staying with, Ben Scott Reed. Um, they all wanted to go play in their RTT, mm-hmm. so we just walked down there, went to get food and stuff like that, and. Uh, walked down to do the signups and went over to the judge's table and they're like, go, go to registration, went to registration, registration's like, well, go talk to the judges to make sure this is where you need to go. And like, we just talked to them. We just talked to Reese. Okay. Okay. Well, we got you signed up here. Now go back to the tables and find what group you want to be in and sign up there. And it was just like back and forth. And I'm like, yeah, we need a sign. Yeah. It was hilarious because this was at like right when it started at like eight or eight 30. And I'm like, man, in 45 minutes, this place is going to be a zoo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was. It really was. So, uh, so how the, how we do the Sunday RTT is it's eight man uh, single elimination mm-hmm. brackets. So it, it, it's a great event. You know, you yeah, play. Like if fun. you lose, you get out. If you win, you're in the, you're in the you're in the money for a hundred bucks uh, frontline game store credit. So 
uh, when I the reason I mentioned that it's like herding cats while drowning at the same time <laughs> is because you just get hordes of people and like uh, the first thing you gotta do is check your registration. The second thing you gotta do is uh, then have them all sign up and put their name and email address. And that's kind of challenging sometimes because <laughs> they don't really want to listen or they'll fill it out in the wrong spot. Yep. And so, uh, uh, thankfully, uh, Reese came over and imparted his his vast knowledge of wisdom and helped me understand, like help me um, actually make it a little bit more organized. So Reese, you're probably not listening, but thank you. <laughs> Uh, Wait, you don't think he listens to our book? I mean, I, I mean, he probably doesn't. Yeah, yeah I'm, just, I'm just being real, you know. So, uh, you you create these eight man brackets, eight man brackets, or and then you take them to the set the set of four tables for them to play their games, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's pretty much autopilot. So about uh, ten fifteen, it was pretty simple, and uh, the event was running on autopilot. Well, good. And so that was really nice. I had a few judges questions, but before I uh, made the ruling, I said, first of all, this is the Sunday RTT Mm -hmm. and I have not had my morning coffee. (laughs) So bear with me. (laughs) Nice. And uh, I mean, but other than that, it was a great event. I had an interesting question about uh, charging and wobbly model. I guess the guy wanted to put them on the side, a wave serpent on the side. And I was like, no, yeah. No, no, we can't do that. But it's so, so funny. So we talked about what he could do, and then he decided to do something totally different, which was like, we're like, okay. Well, that's, that's always the best when you have a rules question. Like, well, can I do this? Well, can I do this instead? Well, what if I do this? Well, yeah, I guess maybe you could do that. Okay. Why am I doing that? I need to do this over here. Exactly. Ah! Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? I mean, those guys are I – mean, Yeah. I, yeah, I get it. Everyone from the Sunday RTT was great and uh, didn't – didn't have uh, any problems, and uh, I almost. Uh, for the record, I should have carded Matt Root, even the be- just because he's Matt Root, and mm. I could do it. You should have, yeah, should've. you absolutely should have. I mean, Matt's just <laughs> Matt's a great guy. He had yeah, a great opponent, is. and uh, it was fun. It was fun messing around with him, and and you know, Sunday is a lot more casual than yeah, than the absolutely. Tournaments, so. Yeah, it seemed like it was. It was. Especially from Saturday, because like you said, Saturday is the day that it's all everyone's keyed up yep. to get you know get in the top eight, get in their best faction, get their record, and then Sunday just all that tension breaks and it's just people having fun. Yeah, so exactly. Well, at least outside of the top eight games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was uh, another experience. Um, you know, one thing that I, I really enjoyed, uh, like I said, was hanging out with the judges, but we had the painting competition. And that oh, was yeah. that was really really cool to experience. There were a lot of really really well painted yes. armies. Yeah. Did you see the the uh, Killing Joke army? It was all based on the Joker theme. No, I don't think I did. <sighs> oh, I don't think I oh, saw that. It one. was. I'll, send, I'll send some pictures. Okay. To you. It was. I, I was. I went around on on Friday and was taking pictures before it got started, and I saw the one that was this uh, the mountain. Yeah, the mountain oh, was great. Oh. But uh, there, there was one another one that I saw that was a is uh, it um, but he basically was done up like a noise marine. Mm-hmm. So he had like this yeah. giant guitar and had like this cathedral on top. And I'm like, that's that's super bad. It was it was really cool. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Friday, I actually helped judge the painting, mm-hmm. and uh, s- Saturday we took the the the, the armies that got top twenty mm-hmm. or twenty and above. And we voted for them for best painted for LVO. And uh, that was a cool experience because I'm a casual painter. 
<laughs> I am I am not very like super talented. I'm I'm not and, either. Yeah. And and we had like um uh let's see, Thomas uh Hextramoki, he's yep. a commission painter for Friendly Gaming. We had Danny who is definitely uh a painter for <laughs> like a quality painter, and then we have um you know uh Chris Morgan who's also a phenomenal painter as well. And we're judging like we're like judging all of these beautifully painted displays and models and they were like picking out the nitty gritty. I'm like, just like a fly on the wall. I'm just listening. <laughs> just listening. Cause yeah. I, like, I'm just enjoying the experience and relishing it. And it was really cool to have them pick out and, um, and critique every single one of those. And like, after they would critique, it, I was like, Oh, okay, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. And now I can apply that you, to my tournament. You definitely, you learn a lot more doing that. Cause I know that, uh, first, First or second year at Midwest Conquest, um, we had a couple of people, like I think uh, Alex helped us do some paint judging. And it's just one of those where like, oh, that looks really cool. Well, yeah, but here, this, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, same exactly. thing you're saying. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess I do notice that. Yeah. Um, I'm I, I'm quick and dirty painter. So like my yeah. Yeah. my cultists were, ba- you know, were, were basically base coated. And then I'm like, all right, wash and make them look good. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Uh, so I go back and I look at it. I'm like, yeah, I missed stuff there. I could have done that. But yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Oh, that's cool though. That's, that's really cool. Thomas actually ran the friendly yes. and did a great job with it. And it was super, so super nice guy. Did yeah. you call him Willie Nelson? No, I didn't. I didn't. Next time, <sighs> next time I, I mean, he really looks like a young <laughs> Willie Nelson. He does. He, he does. Really yeah. Does. <laughs> but he, he, you kind of mentioned with the Sunday RTT, he kind of had the same thing for the, for the friendly. He's like, I'm here, but don't ask me rules questions. Figure it out guys. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that, that's yeah. pretty much it. That's pretty much it. So, um, uh, I think uh, one of the things that they they were discussing uh, on when you're judging painting mm-hmm. is uh, how long would it take me to do that? Now, then this is like from a professional yeah. painter side. Yeah. And it was really cool to see like some of the green stuff is like, oh, I could do that and like, uh, you know, really easily. Or I could paint, for example, I could paint some of these models. I could figure it out within a month. And then there was, uh, for example, uh, the the overall winner mm-hmm. of the painting actually had lots of freehand work, and it was really cool to have the judges say, "I could not do that," <laughs> and that's why that's essentially why that that army won. But I mean, it was numerous other factors, yeah. but that is that is honestly um, why I think he he won. To to me as well, like freehanding on miniatures is pretty much just sorcery. I, I yes. Like I, I, so on Friday, I, I took a CK Studios, one of their airbrushing uh, classes, and it was great because they were going in and explaining, you know, how to do the shading and stuff with the airbrush and then hitting it with like glazes and stuff. To And I'm like, I'm watching him do it. And he basically is like, all right, here's the Space Marine and we're hitting it with these greens and browns and, you know, this. Rare. And then I hit it all with blood letter glaze and now it's a blood angel. And I'm like. I just watched you do this magic trick, but it's still magic to me. What I did, what you did, I, what? <laughs> like you took like eight other colors, and all of a sudden now it's this. I'm like, huh? I have a lot to learn. <laughs> He's like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> oh, man. But no, that was, that was my LVO experience. I mean, oh, cool. um, I, uh, probably if you saw Sean Naden, uh, no, yeah, no, Sean. Bra- Brandon Grant. Brandon Grant Brandon won Grant. won the event, beat Alex in the. I didn't get a. Uh, yeah, beat Alex in the final. I didn't get to see the match, but it, it was on Twitch on Warhammer, yes. and I assume it'll eventually get up on like the Frontline YouTube. Yes. Um, 
apparently it was a just spectacular game that yes. like went to the very end. Yeah, it basically one die roll and he won it all. So I have a recording okay. of uh, the moment the audience learned that he had won. So if it's okay, yeah, I'm gonna go play for it. it. It's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So here's the recording. So, so if you oh, they, they stopped, like it was really hilarious <laughs> because um, they stopped. Unfortunately, they stopped chanting because uh, Chris Morton he- held up his hand because they had to. Uh, they had they had to like, like calm him down because the scores weren't tallied up. Yeah, and Sean just had to had to do some uh. few more things to like tidy up the round. But uh, it was it was it was just fun to watch, and it was an awesome experience, and. And uh, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed every every bit of it, and it's, it's something that I look forward to doing next year as well. Awesome! So I know you played last year. Yes. Would you come back and judge again, or would you want rather play? Uh, knowing what I know now, I'd rather be on the inside, mm-hmm. looking uh, be uh, be a help with the judging staff okay. again. It's uh, I really feel like that's my my skill set. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Not a very good Fort Woody Hammer 40k player. I went 0 and 4 in the friendly event, so <laughs> yeah. No. It is. It is what it is. I, I enjoy, you know, um, I look forward to working with the LVA judges and getting to know more. Uh, it was really cool to to just honestly, I, I was more more of a fly on the wall when <laughs> when I was you know with those guys because those guys have been working as a team forever. Oh, yeah. And they know each other forever, and mm-hmm. so uh, it was cool to just to get adopted and to to see them work and and be part of that organization, uh, just to get a fresh pers- fresh perspective on competitive forty k, and hopefully you know the cool thing is is now I get to bring that experience and that knowledge to the Midwest mm-hmm. to help uh, you got your tournament out yeah like, absolutely to help uh, understand like certain rules or why are we doing certain things. Because sometimes, you know, those guys are, you know, busy, you know, Reese can't answer a million emails, Yeah, but I can, I can help filter and, and help you guys understand, you know, what's what. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. It sounds like it was a great time. Great event. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great time with it. As I mentioned, I did finish four, uh, oh, and four in the friendly, but did not get the um, wooden spoon. I did not get the wooden spoon. I, I managed to score enough points in my last game to finish above a few other people, but, uh, great games, uh, two ultramarine players that I've faced on day two, uh, which was fun because I actually remembered death of the false emperor. So like I was able to like get buckets of exploding dice. So you were were playing orcs. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. Well, it was one of those like a 20 man berserker unit. If they get the charge, I had half of them with chain swords and half of them with chain axes. That's just massive amounts of dice that you're throwing down. I had a, at one point in the, the first game, so the first game they had, uh, had, Gilliman and being the friendly, he wasn't running Gilliman as like the reroll buff. He was actually like running him forward and using him to slaughter characters. Cause he's, he's still a beast. Gilliman. I hit Gilliman with a brick of like 12 or 15 berserkers at one point, just slammed it in the unit, took him down to one wound. And then he came back oh. and with his swings, cause he has six attacks and then he does mortal wounds. It's like that between his attacks the mortal wounds he rolled on sixes and the leadership, I lost that unit. Oh. Like took him down to one and I'm like, I'm so close. If I hold in again, I go, nope, they're gone. And they're all gone. Okay. <laughs> um, 
And then the, the second game I was facing, uh, Calgar and like the vigilist, some of the vigilist stuff and the, uh, the vigilist, like, uh, stratagems that make intercessors better inter- intercessors is super good. Like they're nasty. And I, I ended up losing that game, but I, it was very, all the games were close. All the games were super fun, but, uh, that game, it basically came down to Calgar and was able, we had two wounds left and they get a couple of the veteran intercessors left. And we just like ran out of time because the game ended on turn five. If it had gone another round, I might have been able to get to, to clear them out and get them tabled. Um, and then I would have won, but it was still a super fun game. Yeah, that's um, all that matters in 40k. Yeah, exactly. Especially for the friendly. Like it was, and uh, you know, they did the award ceremony afterwards. There was some brilliantly, like just brilliant themed armies, painted armies and stuff. So um, I posted a bunch of pictures up on the Twitter and Facebook page. Um, so Twitter at Preferred Enemy and Facebook Preferred Enemies. And uh, uh, I'll share the video mm-hmm. of when the audience with you. Yeah, and that way yeah. you can like share it out because Absolutely. I think um, uh, that was. That was uh, one of the coolest things all weekend. To well, and they and they mentioned. I think they said it was what thirteen thousand people like were watching yeah. it on Twitch live. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. It's probably a lot because a lot of people want Alex Harrison to lose. <laughs> well, I but mean, still, like that. You know, joking aside, yeah. like you, you know, people do kind of like having the villain. Like that's the stuff that happened last year with Tony. Like that did get attention to us. And obviously it's not the type of attention you necessarily want, but it brings people in. It gets people interested in it. So, you know, you, you need, you need a little bit of that. You just have to make sure that you don't let it go too far. Yeah, I agree. And I just want to say for people that, um, you know, we feel like are, are bad players or, you know, they, they cheat to win. Um, I just, I just want to let the Warhammer community know that, um, I firmly believe people can change. Yes, and people can uh, become better players, and to not always give them that negative stigmatism. I mean, it's okay. Absolutely. Like for example, when Aaron Along, you know, came to the Iron mm-hmm. Halo, you know, I said, "Hey, you can come to the Iron Halo, but we're, you're going to use my dice. Yep, you're going to use a chess clock, and uh, it's one strike and you're out." So actually, that's the other question. How did the chess clocks work this year? Like, how do you think that helped? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Okay. Uh, some people timed out. It was really interesting. After the, I think, after round four or five, mm-hmm. there was only one orc player because all the other orc players had timed out. Oh, wow. Lost. Wow. So Interesting. It's uh, definitely detrimental to horde armies, mm-hmm. but uh, which only means that if you want to play a horde army, you got to get faster. And yep. uh, I do like some of the chess clock rules. I know that we are going to rework okay. a lot of them just to make it a little bit more succinct. What we ran into is some player, one player would go under nine minutes, which means if another, uh, which means if the other player went under nine minutes, the round would end. Okay. So, yeah. So what would happen is if one player went at, went under nine minutes, the player that had more time had, they could just stall. They and, could just stall. Mm. In fact, uh, Alex Fennel, the white knight. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. And he got a yellow card for it. <laughs> So going like yeah. a really awesome sporty guy to getting, I mean, yeah. it's a strategy. That's it's the strategy. thing. It's, regardless of what you play, regardless of what you do, whatever rules are in place, people are going to skirt the edges because that's what people do competitively. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about this day one, I think I know the rules pretty well. Do a podcast. Where we talk about the rules. Like, I think I'm really good at this. 
I completely blanked when in the middle of the game on what Tide of Traders did and let an entire unit of cultists get swept because I thought the unit had to be came in from like, oh, if it's dead, I can bring them back. Yeah. No, they have to be on the table. Yeah. So it's like just in the heat of the game, like people do dumb stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you have to, you definitely have to be kind of forgiving about it and you know allow people to change. Um, I definitely think that with the current code of conduct we have in place now that it is finally formalized, you unfortunately you almost have to kind of let everything that's happened before that go and start fresh. Mm-hmm. And then if people violate it again, then yeah, then there's an appropriate punishments. But yeah, if, if you you can't hold you can't hold people accountable for for past transgressions. Yeah, I feel like when you go attend a tournament, it's a new start. Yeah, but. Just because you're attending my tournament doesn't mean you're going to get a free ride. No, absolutely. There's going to be stipulations. You still have to. You still have to behave. Absolutely. So, well, but, cool. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, the, I think that's. A, I think that's a wrap for our 2019 LVO coverage. Uh, we'll be back next episode with uh, I think Gene Steeler Colt review. We'll get back to listener questions and uh, and mail. Um, this will be a shorter episode, but. We really wanted to try to record and get something done from the LVO 2019. So good day, good gaming, and see you at LVO 2020. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.